The Money Show. The Africa Business Report. Lots to get through this evening. Kenya's got a new president, all by the finest of margins. The swearing-in thing, uh, swearing-in has happened. Rona Kapoldis, director and Africa analyst at Signal Risk, a new era for Kenya. Yes, Bruce, definitely. Um, it's, uh, it's time for a new president in, in Kenya, like you mentioned. Um, William Ruto has, uh, has assumed uh, office today. Um, and after a pretty dramatic election filled with tension and drama, um, you know, the, we, can, we can draw a line under this, uh, this election now. Peaceful handover of power. And now attention is shifting to what a Ruto presidency looks like. Um, I think there are a few areas to watch in this regard. So obviously the big elephant in the room is corruption. Um, both William Ruto and his deputy are tainted by these allegations. So what is uh, a, a Ruto administration going to look like in this regard? The second kind of area of concern is the economy. And, you know, he's made a lot of promises on the campaign trail, uh, but he's inherit- inheriting an economy with high unemployment, with huge public debt and high inflation. And it's pretty unclear what his policies are going to be like. Is he going to be market-friendly or interventionist? Is he going to go the populist route or pursue more orthodox policies? So we'll, we'll have to watch that. What's the style of governance going to be? Um, he's got a ruthless side, but he's also got a pragmatic side. So uh, it's going to be interesting to observe how he approaches this uh, and his relationship with business in particular. And then... In terms of international relations, uh, Kenya is a critical ally of, of both Western and Eastern global powers. Um, on the campaign trail, William Ruto uh, railed against China. He blamed China for Kenya's debt. He promised an end to government borrowing from China, threatened to deport Chinese nationals. So that could be quite interesting. So those are the, the kind of four areas that I'm watching quite closely. Um, and the first 100 days, uh, like with any presidency, is going to be quite critical. How strong are institutions in Kenya? I mean, how steady are they? How stable are they? Are they able to resist any potential nefarious activity in a new administration? Should there be a need to do so? I mean, the track record in recent times is pretty good. Um, You know, in the last election, we had the judiciary uh, annul an election result. And, you know, they've had various challenges through the Building Bridges Initiative, where they've, they've kind of gone against what the incumbent administration um, has wanted. So judicial independence is pretty pretty strong. Civil society is quite strong in Kenya as well. And, you know, um, I think the, the in recent times, they've been operating in a very transparent uh, and clear manner. So, uh, you know, I think generally uh, across the continent, uh, by relative standards, they're, they're pretty good. Uh, and then Lesotho, which has got also a very, very patchy track record in terms of delivering free, fair and peaceful elections, gearing up again. Yeah, um, Lesotho, politics in Lesotho is a bit like a soap opera and elections are scheduled for the 7th of October. Um, they're currently in a state of emergency, but this is more of a political state of emergency than a security one. Um, to give you some context, you know, there are two new bills that, uh, uh, which are critical for the, for the success in, of the election, which uh, were intended to be passed by Parliament before it uh, was dissolved in July. However, Parliament ran out of time and the bills were unable to be passed. So the, the Prime Minister called a state of emergency 
to get these bills passed. And, um, you know, this was, was critical because the, the bills were aimed at prohibiting lawmakers from switching party allegiances within the first three years of their tenure. Uh, and also it aimed to make the king the commander of the armed forces to prevent political leaders from meddling in security affairs. But, you know, not everybody was happy that these bills, which are, you know, in theory for good reasons, were passed. Uh, the opposition is alleging that they are illegal and they've mounted a legal challenge at the Constitutional Court um, because they allege that this is a ploy uh, aimed at preventing political campaigns in the weeks leading up to the election. Um, so just a few weeks to go to the election and it's, as usual, high drama and intrigue in Lesotho. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, Egypt's economy is remarkable and it's rebounded very effectively after the Arab Spring. And I think it's the second biggest economy in Africa now after Nigeria. We're in close proximity to uh, in position number three in terms of um, GDP. We have $462 billion. Egypt's a bit bigger and Nigeria's slightly bigger than that. Um, how are things going on the ground? Yeah, not great for Egypt this year. They've had a triple whammy of shocks, um, you know, obviously because of the Russia and Ukraine conflict, uh, the external environment has not been kind to Egypt. Uh, first through a strong dollar, which saw a currency depreciation of the Egyptian pound. Then they're the world's largest wheat importer. Uh, around 85% of Egypt's wheat imports come from Russia and Ukraine. And then uh, they've also taken a, a big knock on the tourism front because Russia is a key market. So very challenging environment in that regard. But there have been a couple of, of recent developments also which are worth noting. So there was a cabinet reshuffle recently where 13 of the country's 33 ministers were replaced. It was largely symbolic in nature um, because the key ministries, finance, planning and economic development were unaffected. But I think it was an attempt by the administration to show that they're trying to do something. Uh, we also saw the resignation of the central bank governor, who uh, has been a key figure in the currency and monetary liberalization. Um, and this could affect negotiations with the IMF. Um, we know that Egypt is, is seeking out a program, uh, so this might result in, in a few delays. And I think that's the critical um, element for Egypt. This IMF program uh, needs to needs to arrive quite quickly. And one of the big sticking points is around the exchange rate. Um, you know, the IMF and investors are advocating uh, for a more flexible FX rate to devalue the currency. And for obvious reasons, there's reluctance to do that because of the inflationary impact and the political pressure that that entails. Um, but I think in recent weeks, uh, the administration has become more receptive because uh, they view the IMF program as a, a critical anchor and bringing in some much-needed stability into the Egyptian economy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and again, so much potential and uh, such a great location uh, strategically as well. And, yeah, hopefully things come right. Nigeria, um, always interesting. Uh, the oil business in Nigeria, the key foreign exchange earner, oil prices have come off quite sharply in recent weeks, around $92 a barrel. How are the Nigerians dealing with the uncertainty in the oil market? Yeah, I mean, this is actually quite concerning, Bruce. Um, you know, oil production has dipped to a 25-year low. Um, Nigeria in August produced 1.18 million barrels per day. That's the lowest average daily output since 1997. So, I mean, if you take the stats holistically, 400,000 barrels of crude oil are being stolen daily. This is around 40 million U.S. dollars in daily revenue losses. Um, and last year, 
estimated that around four billion US dollars was lost by the Nigerian government due to oil theft. So very concerning. Um and you know, in in recent weeks, you know, the, the threat of oil bunkering um has, has been one of the key reasons for the low output where, you know, oil is being siphoned from key transport lines and then channeled to illegal refineries or struggle or smuggled usually. Uh, the scale of, of this suggests that it's not just militants and local communities. It suggests that the members of the military, the political elite, the national oil company, all involved. Um, so that's also quite distressing. Um, and, you know, given the, the fact that this happens in times of high oil prices and close to the election, um, it is definitely of concern to investors. And, you know, with the election scheduled for early next year, um, I can only see it getting getting worse. Um, and, you know, on a macro level, low oil production means lower revenues, which puts pressure on forex reserves, which then could result in some unorthodox policy measures by uh, the administration. So something worth noting and watching quite closely in Nigeria in the run-up to elections. And then we, we've got, of course, the, the, the global issue of inflation. And inflation is certainly nowhere near, um, you know, sort of wreaking havoc in global markets. Let's put it that way. Uh, it went from 9.1% in June to 8.5% in July to 8.3% in August. Um, and so the rate of decline in inflation has slowed quite markedly. And that sent really frightening signals throughout the global economy. And I wonder just how African economies are going to be affected over the next year or two by this huge volatility that we're seeing play out in other parts of the world. They've got no control of it. There's nothing they can do about it. Um, are they vulnerable to these huge whipsaws in, in sentiment, inflation and interest rates? Uh, massively, Bruce. Uh, I think, you know, the the reality is that most African commodity exporters have been subject to boom-bust kinds of scenarios. That's largely because their economies are not diversified. So when you have kind of big external shocks, uh, contagion is an issue. It, it translates to financial markets where, you know, you, you get currency weakness, you get you get a higher debt service costs, um, you know, a more depressed global economy, sees less trade, um, commodity prices, obviously, and, and volumes are affected. Uh, and then general investor sentiment affects the FDI outlook. Um, and then with very weak kind of fiscal buffers and, and monetary policy instruments, um, you know, there's, there's not a lot that, that countries, countries can do to protect themselves um, in these times of crisis. And I think that's why we're seeing the likes of the IMF uh, playing a much more active role across the continent in, in recent times. Ronak Gopoldis, thank you. Director and Africa Analyst at Signal Risk on the line to us from the United Kingdom this evening with our Africa Business Report. Yeah, countries facing elections. Kenya coming through it uh, unscathed, but the outlook for the uh, for, for Kenya uncertain, but simply based on the fact that nobody seems to know what William Ruto really stands for. Time will tell, of course. There, uh, elections coming through in a month in Lesotho, always dramatic. Um, and, of course, the economic update out of Egypt is hardly a, a, a salubrious. And Nigeria's uh, economic position also is really, really difficult ahead of, yes, another election coming up early 